Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2015 Phoenix Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Wow, man, I'm so conflicted in a good way. Just so many good things. It's, uh, and here I'm talking about the voice of God and the leading of the Lord, and I'm being drawn this way and that way. And it's just exciting seeing people that are following God and, and God using them in these kind of gifts. And it's just awesome. I appreciate Andrew and Jamie so much. I, I again, conflicted over an offering. I mean, I just only, I mean, I'm just stirred in my heart that, man, I'm just glad to be on the same stage with the guy. I don't want an offering, amen. But thank you. I'm trying to get better at receiving. But uh, maybe we just need to give it back or something. We just need to. Why don't we just give it back to the conference? I mean, yeah, we're going to pray about that. I believe I'm hearing God. I don't think you're hearing God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for your support for his ministry. I'm telling you, this is a powerful ministry. It is having an impact that's profound. And again, I'm just honored to, to be asked to share. So. I better just get going where I know I'm supposed to go. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. We are so blessed. And Lord, we want to be a blessing. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, the great teacher, the one that you sent to lead and guide us into all truth. May he not be quenched or grieved in our heart or in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or some type of modern gadget, let's begin in... Romans chapter 8, and I want to pick up where I left off on the voice of God, the leading of the Lord, and the promise of God that we, His sheep, hear His voice. And that because we hear His voice, we act on that voice, we open the door, and He comes in and sups with us. The, the basic foundation for our intimacy with God is the ability, the divine design through the new creation to hear His voice on the inside of us and to obey, to yield, to open the door. Revelation chapter 3 says, and He'll have a meal with us as a friend. God wants to fellowship and a relationship with each and every one of us on a very intimate level. And that begins with, with the voice of God and discerning the voice the voice of God. So let me read these scriptures again. We're going we're gonna to look just at verse 14 through 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, a better translation says himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So under this new covenant and the new creation, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your born again spirit that you're the children of God. It's the Holy Spirit communicating with my spirit and then from my spirit to my soul, my mind, my thoughts and, and things of that nature that I, that I hear God, that I discern God. God is not speaking from without, even though He could speak. And we have examples throughout the scriptures of the audible voice of God that can be heard with this ear and the eardrum of the ear. But under the new covenant, that's the exception to the rule, not the rule. 
The rule is that we hear the spirit inside of our spirit that is leading us into the things, into the things of God. And so that is your birthright is what I said this morning. As a child of God, notice it says in verse 14, as many as are led by the spirit. The same are the children of God. You are led by the spirit. It's in the present tense. It went over about the same way this morning. Uh, you are led. You're not going to be led. You're not going to have to do this to be led. You're not going to have to quit that to be led. You're not going to have to convince God you're worthy of being led. You are led. Well, somebody said, well, if I are led, how did I end up in the mess I'm in? In Psalms 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, for he delights in all his ways. Well, if my steps are being ordered of the Lord, are you saying everything I've been led into and all the stuff that's happened to me is God in my life? That was part of my message that I felt like you were gonna begin to minister on your intro the other, the other morning, is that God's not the one leading you into bad stuff. Amen or oh me. God's not doing anything bad to you. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is not leading me into sin. God is not leading me into, into these bad decisions that I've made over over the years. No, God was leading, God was ordering, but I wasn't heeding the leading of the Lord if I wound up somewhere besides the will of God for my life. God is speaking, I'm just not always discerning or hearing the voice of God. That's what I came to learn. Once I got a revelation of the cross in 1980 and the grace of God, I realized that this is my birthright and that because I am a child of God, I am led, but that's not automatic. I got to mix faith with the word of God for it to profit me. Hebrews chapter four, verse two says, the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us, but it didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So I, have, I had to learn to mix faith with the leading of the Lord. I had to learn to mix faith with the voice of God in order for it to begin to profit me. But I'm telling you, this, this, this trying to do something to get God to speak, again, is just messing people up. This, what can I do to get God to lead me? What can I do to get God to speak to me? Many people are trying to do things to get God to speak to them. That's legalism, that's the law, that's not the grace of God. God is constantly leading you. You just have to heed the leading by faith. God is constantly speaking. You just have to learn to hear, to discern, and to judge that voice, and then learn how to act on it. I grew up under so much religion that, I mean, I'd hear things like, we're going to fast and pray till God moves, and we're going to fast and pray till God speaks. And we're going to storm heaven. And I never understood that anyway in the horns of the altar. And we're going to hang on till God moves or God speaks. And again, people would fast and pray trying to get God to speak. God is not going to respond to a hunger strike. Amen. 
It will not move God. It will not change God. I've got two hours of teaching on why fasting and praying, and fasting and prayer doesn't move God. Fasting and prayer moves me into a place of hearing and seeing what God is doing and saying. Hallelujah. That is, that's the grace perspective. Remember, religion, religion, and the one word that makes up all of religion, false religion, just religion in general, is do. That's the one word that defines religion, do. Do, you gotta do this to get God to love you. You gotta do this to get God to accept you. You gotta do this to get God to lead you. You gotta quit this for God to speak to you. And on and on I can go, the one word associated with religion is do. It's just a bunch of do, 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 do. <laughs> and I apologize, I think we just went to PG-13. And that may be a problem on a broadcast. But the bottom line, that's religion. Now, what is grace? There's one word that wraps up grace, done. Done. What do I got to do to get God to love me? It's done. It's already been done. What do I got to, get do, to do to get God to accept me? It's done. What do I have to do to get God to speak? It's done. He is by His Spirit moved on the inside of you and he's communicating with you because that's the basis of all healthy relationships. You just gotta learn to tune in and receive it by faith, and receive it by faith. You know, years ago I had a, a GPS on my iPhone and I didn't care for the lady at all. She was just rude <laughs> and touchy and just sometimes sounded like an ex-wife and I don't know what that sounds like. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, just snippy. An ex-wife that hadn't got any alimony. Uh, it just, I just didn't like her. And I would put a destination in there and I would miss the destination and she would say, in a hundred yards, make a U-turn. And I'd miss that turn. In a hundred and fifty yards, make a U-turn, and I don't know, I just had an attitude with her, and I'd say things like, you ain't the boss of me. I can, I can find my way back where I'm supposed to be, so I'd just rebel. Finally, she'd come on, it was amazing, and she'd say, rerouting and recalculating your route. Now think about that, a lady in a phone with a bad attitude is still speaking to me when I miss her instructions. And she loved me enough, even with a bad attitude, to recalculate my route. So she was constantly leading. Okay, she was constantly leading. She was constantly speaking, but I wasn't heeding the leading and I wasn't discerning the instructions. How much more a loving God that has died for all of your sins and has accepted you in the beloved, that hey, when you even make a wrong turn, he's still leading. That voice you're hearing that says, make a U-turn is repent. Change your mind, change your direction. And I'm not the only one that's overridden the first, repent. Change your mind, turn direction. And the sweet Holy Spirit says, all right, I'm right here recalculating your route. And the minute you turn to God, you hear him. He was speaking the whole time. He was leading the whole time. 
This is the essence of grace. This is the joy of this adventure we're on is the leading of the Holy Spirit that's every day of our life and us learning to heed the lead and the voice of the Spirit and the adventure in learning to discern it. So let me go through, let me go through the five things. I only did three this morning and I could sense my time evaporating and I kind of got in a hurry. So I'm going to go through these five things quickly concerning why do people struggle with the voice of God? Because it should be normal that we hear God. But I'm telling you, in most Christians' life, it's not normal. It should be normal when we come to church to expect to hear God. And said, if God spoke, it would cause no small stir in most of our churches. Amen. The Bible says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. I didn't know that was the deacon board. <laughs> people aren't hearing God. God's speaking, but people aren't hearing. And again, even good people. So let me fly through these. Number one, the, the national media and how they report on God said and people who hear God. You will be hard pressed to find anything in Hollywood or the six o'clock news or in a national newspaper or a local newspaper where something positive is said about somebody who heard God. Somebody heard God and a hundred people's lives were saved. But you will constantly hear in the culture and on the six o'clock news that serial killers hear God. Kooks, in my notes it said cooks this morning. It's supposed to mean kooks, but the cooks have been hearing God because the food's been awesome, amen. So even when I'm wrong, I'm right. So thank you, cooks, for hearing God. But the national media, you'll see on your local news, the only time you'll hear somebody heard God is when they just drowned three of their kids in a bathtub. That's the devil. That's not by accident. That's by divine design to intimidate you on the voice of God. Number two, second reason people struggle with God said is because we've all experienced people who use God's name in vain. And we don't want to be guilty of that as spirit-filled people. What do I mean using God's name in vain? That's the second of the Ten Commandments that God said, thou shalt not use my name in vain. That's not talking about cussing. That's talking about saying God said when God didn't say. And I've dealt with people my whole ministry that they'll even use what I call the God card on you and, and try to manipulate you with God said, try to intimidate you with God said, try to control you with God said. And we've all seen people and we've all been around people that, I mean, God said and God said this and God said that and there's no fruit in their lives and there's no change in their lives. And so we need to be cautious and careful about that. I know in pastoring it, it's awful frustrating when someone will even come for counseling and the first thing they'll say is God told them. And as soon as they say God said to move, pastor, I need counsel, there's no counsel to, to, to be had because now the only thing that I can do is question whether you heard God or not. Because if you said God said, what I say doesn't matter after that, amen? So we need to be careful with God said. And so that has, has damaged people. And I've seen entire groups that cringe when you say God said because they've had bad experiences. Number three, one of my favorite is God's voice is a threat to religion. 
Now, I really appreciate you listening this morning because that's new to people. See, religion can only thrive where God's not alive. It is impossible for religion to thrive if God is mute. If God doesn't speak, they can manipulate the masses. They can control the masses. But if God speaks to each and every one of us, and if every one of us by birthright, new birthright, have a right to the voice of God and have a right by inheritance to the leading of the Holy Spirit, now I can't control any of you, hallelujah. And that is powerful. And again, one of the reasons people worship dead gods is because it's easy to worship a God that doesn't speak from afar. Your heart doesn't have to be close if the God doesn't speak. That's why they killed the prophets is because the prophets came and said, God said, and they didn't want to hear what God said. They wanted to worship God from afar and their hearts be far from Him. But when you hear God, your heart gets nigh to God. That's the purpose primarily of the voice of God is to draw you into Him and Him into your life. Number four, people simply do not recognize God's voice. And this is where I was for years. God was speaking to me and I didn't know it. I wasn't taught, I wasn't discipled. And I still to this day cannot understand how I can be a part of Pentecost my whole life and around Pentecostal people and no one explained to me the voice of God and how do you hear God and how God speaks in the many languages of God. See, there are many languages to the voice of God. God speaks in many different ways. He speaks in visions and dreams. That's a part of the language of the Holy Spirit. I was on the road years ago and remind me to come back to the different ways He speaks, but Shekinah, my oldest daughter, had been cutting up and she seemed to have done that when I would leave. That was part of her not wanting me to go, I guess, and we've talked about that. But when she was little, when I would go on the road and, and minister and she didn't go with me, she would act out. And so I'd have to come home and discipline her and I just hated that. I didn't want to have to come home and the first thing I got to do is discipline one of my kids. And so I got home after a meeting like 2 o'clock in the morning and I went in and I laid my hands on, on her and how old was she? Uh, six, seven, maybe. And uh, I said, God, I just thank you that you are a God who speaks. You delight in speaking to us. You delight in leading us and our children. And their hearts are so sensitive. I just ask you to speak to her tonight and to give her a dream about obedience and about the power of it. My love for her and your love me. Just speak to her tonight in her, in her nighttime. Well, I go to bed, and of course you get in bed at two o'clock, seven o'clock's early, and I got this little kid on top of me pounding me, Daddy, wake up, Daddy, wake up. I had a dream last night. <laughs> How many of you ever prayed and didn't believe your prayers? <laughs> Don't answer that. It won't make you look spiritual at all. And so I'm thinking, you did? What was the dream? And she started telling me this dream, and it hit me, wait a minute, hold it. I what, what is the dream? And she said, I went to heaven and I met Jesus and he took me to this house and we saw all these pictures and all of our pictures were there and Jesus spoke to me and he said to obey you and that I would live long on the earth and things would go well for me. And I'm going crazy, man. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What if we prayed for our kids every night for dreams and visions? What if we expected dreams and visions? Amen. 
What if we expected the language of the Spirit to be in our everyday lives? I'm telling you, most people don't. And they don't recognize it many times because it comes to us in impressions through the book of Acts. And because of time constraints, I can't go to everything. But Paul talked about being pressed in his spirit. And that was the leading of the Lord. That was the voice of God to him. He got stirred in his spirit. One time he said he got stirred in his spirit in the book of Acts in a situation he was facing. And that was the spirit speaking to him. That was the spirit leading him. The spirit will speak to you in impressions. I was on my way to this meeting and I had a lady on my heart and I was thanking God for her. And she just came into my heart just, just as I was walking on the property. And, and I thanked God for her and I was just thinking of her. And, and where'd that come from? Out of nowhere, this lady just comes on my mind. Guess who the first person I ran into when I walked in the door? It was her. That was no accident. That was God speaking to me. And it encouraged me so much that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Amen? I've been driving down the road and a name will come to me. And I'm going to teach you here in a minute how to test these things, how to try these things. Because sometimes, and I'm getting ahead of myself now, sometimes I have thoughts and they're not God. Anybody here ever had a thought that wasn't God? Man, I had a perverted thought in the pulpit years ago. This has been years ago. But I had a perverted thought in the pulpit and it bothered me so bad, I stayed up all night long just bawling and squalling about that. How can I be called? How can I? Got up in the pulpit and had a perverted thought. Nobody had taught me that thoughts come from different places. I thought all thoughts were my thoughts or God. And that couldn't have been God. And where'd that thought? It was the devil. Amen or oh me. I don't have time to give that testimony, plus it really makes me look bad. Bottom line, <laughs> thoughts will come to you and you just dismiss them. I've discovered when I look back on my life how many times God was speaking to me and I either overrode it or I dismissed it or I disregarded it because I didn't know the language of God, a name, a picture. Again, visions. He's not talking about just visions and open these big time supernatural visions. You know, God can speak to you in a flash, in a picture. And that's his voice, that's him speaking to you. I started testing these things like I'm gonna teach you here in a minute. I started acting in some form of faith instead of just dismissing it. I was shocked, I'd be driving down the road, I'd just get a name and I would think that's just me. Why would I even think of that? And then I would just decide to test it. I'd call the person and I didn't get super spiritual or hyper religious and, and that kind of thing and say, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I would just say, hey, man, I had you on my heart. Everything okay? They would just break down and say, thank you so much. I actually called a person one time that was praying at the time I called them for me to call them. That's supernatural. But see, if I didn't know that was the language of God or the voice of God, again, impressions, desires. We'll talk about that probably tomorrow I know Andrew's talked about that. He taught that in England, so I won't spend much time on that. But nobody ever taught me that if I delight myself in the Lord, He'll give me the desires of my heart. And if I commit those back unto Him, trust the Lord, He will bring them to pass. That is so powerful. You mean you can, you can be led of the Lord and, and, you can, and you can enjoy it? Do you know how I was taught to hear the voice of God? 
If you don't want to do it, it's God. <laughs> and the sad thing, they were true. They were so stinking carnal that if God Almighty would have told them anything, they wouldn't have wanted to do it because they were walking in the flesh. If you are going to live after the flesh, yeah, your desires are going to be carnal and the enemy is going to, through your flesh, give you ungodly desires and draw you away. But if you're delighting in God, if you're thinking on God, if you're praying in the Holy Ghost, if you're pursuing Him and just delighting in Him, He will put desires in your heart. You'll want to do His will. That's His voice. And so I need to, I need to hurry. Number five. The way we are trained to think in the West, the reason so many Christians struggle with the voice of God is we don't realize how trained we are in the West to think after our five physical senses. Every one of us are saturated with a culture that if you can't discern it with your five physical senses, it can't be true or real. And yet the truth of the matter is you have a sixth sense. And that spirit has feelings. Your spirit man has feelings. Did you know your spirit man is not some cloud? <laughs> Sorry. Your spirit man has feelings. Your spirit, did you know that you have the mind of Christ? Well, can I get a witness just because I'm in a hurry? You ain't got the mind of Christ right here. I wasn't a good enough witness. You do not have the mind of Christ here. Now, you, you have, through the, your mind being renewed, some of the mind of Christ here. The mind of Christ is in your spirit. Your spirit man is perfected. Your spirit man is whole, sanctified, righteous, truly holy, and perfected forever. And the mind of Christ is in your spirit. Your spirit knows all things. Well, that is just so deep for so many of God's people, and yet I got to get it from my spirit to my mind and the renewing of my mind to get it into my life. See, God doesn't bypass your spirit. Everything comes into your spirit and from your spirit to your mind and through your mind. And yet you got things coming to you, thoughts, impressions, mindsets this way, that you have to discern and learn to judge, but you've got things coming from your spirit, from the Holy Spirit. That if you learn to judge it and discern it, it will transform your life. John, John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's a spirit. You connect with God in your spirit, and he connects with you in your spirit. And remember, again, I was raised Pentecostal. Everything was emotions and trying to contact God with our senses. How do you know we had a good service? I felt something. Well, drugs will do that. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard that. That's all I mean. Just... Amen. Trying to contact God. God was here because you felt something. God is here whether we feel something or not. We brought God with us. He's in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. In John chapter 7, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 38, He says, that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
But this spake he of the Spirit, which was to come, and that they that believed on him should receive. Notice, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Notice that the rivers of living water, the Holy Ghost, comes out of our belly. In Proverbs 20, 27, it says, The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of your belly. <laughs> I got some friends here that look like they got a whole lot more spirit than I got. I mean, I just got a little bitty spirit. But I got some friends got a six pack. I mean, a six pack. But I walk by faith and not by sight, amen? This ain't flying, hallelujah. Your belly refers to your inner man, your inward man, your spirit. And notice again, out of your belly, your spirit, are gonna flow rivers of water and this make of the Spirit. So see, the Spirit works through and in your spirit and from your spirit. So once you begin to settle that, that it's already there, it's on the inside of me and I'm just learning to yield. I'm learning to, to recognize and discern what is the Spirit. Now, how do we do that? How do we judge? How do we discern? Is this God speaking to me or the devil? Is this God speaking to me or just me? Is this, is this God or some other voice that's speaking to me? How do we judge? Now, I'm going to give you multiple witnesses and the principle of multiple witnesses in a moment that's life-changing, I assure you. But the primary way, first of all, God leads us is by the inward witness, the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit, the things of God. The second primary witness is the Word of God. The Word of God. Not only does God speak to us out of the Word of God, and if you have a limited knowledge of the Word of God, you're limiting God's vocabulary, God's language in your life. That's why it's important that you get a working knowledge of the Word of God because He speaks to you out of the Word of God, and it's the Word of God that helps me judge and discern was that God that spoke to me. Is that God leading me? He will never, the Holy Ghost will never, ever lead me contrary to the written Word of God. And this seems old hash to some people, but I'm telling you, there's entire churches out there. There's something, bless my heart, hurry, Dwayne, let it go. There are churches that are saying, we don't need the Word of God. We just need the Holy Spirit, and we just need the working and moving of the Holy Spirit, and we don't need the Scriptures, and, and uh, we know the Scriptures, and we've heard enough of the Word. And so we're just going to follow the Holy Spirit. And you got people barking like dogs and let it go. I'm sorry. This is not mine. I don't have time for this. Bottom line is we need the Word of God. And how do you know if that's the Spirit of God speaking to you if you don't know the Word of God? In 2 Peter, let's look at some scriptures here real quick. 2 Peter. This is after, obviously, the resurrection. And already people are saying that it's a hoax and that Jesus being raised from the dead is a fable. And there were gainsayers back then, even as there's gainsayers today. There were skeptics right after the resurrection of Jesus, just like there are skeptics today. And so Peter is assuring God's people in this chapter and in these verses of the surety of who Jesus is. 
and that we have not put our faith in a false god or just a man, but we have put our faith in the true and the living God, the God-man, the man that was really man, very man, but was God, very God, the Most High God, the God of all gods who are no stinking gods. Jesus is Lord. And so he's affirming that. And so he says in verse 16, for we've not followed cunning devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my <laughs> beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's referring back to the Mount of Transfiguration where Elijah, I think that's right, Elijah and Moses appeared and, and Jesus in a glorified body. And that's where you'll recall that Peter decided he wanted to start a building program on the side of the mountain and we're going to build a tabernacle for Elijah and Moses and you too, Jesus. And how many of you know when God interrupts a pastor or a preacher's building program, you never forget that. And so he's got his building program going. And this is fascinating to me. If you go back and read the account, the voice from heaven that they heard and the glorified Jesus and Elijah and Moses that they saw, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. <laughs> Y'all don't get it. Peter conveniently left that part out. I think that's funny, sorry. <laughs> Verse 18 says, And this voice which came from heaven we heard and when we were with him on the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your heart, knowing this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but by holy men of God as they spake and were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Peter said, don't tell me Jesus isn't Lord. Don't tell me he isn't risen from the dead. Don't tell me he's not God made flesh. We saw him glorified on that, on that mountain. We were in a meeting with him and Elijah and Moses and we heard, we saw something and we heard something. And God affirmed him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than what? More sure than what we can see and more sure than what we think we heard. Praise God. Y'all are the good ones. I thought that would fire you up. That's not news to anybody, is it? God's word is more sure than what you feel. God's word is more sure than what you think you heard. If an angel, Galatians chapter one, I think it's around verse eight, nine, if an angel manifested right here and said something that violated the gospel, the written word of God, we're under commandment to rebuke it. And he's bolder than me. I guarantee if an angel appeared here and everybody had a duck bump and everybody was just buzzing with hair raised up on your back, and everybody was just going crazy about the eloquency of the angel and the brightness of the angel. And that angel said something that violates the word of God. I know he would rebuke him. 
I might not be as bold. I might, as a pastor, take a few more moments and say, look, angel, you go over there and glow a while. <laughs> Y'all hang on to your duck bumps. But did that violate the Word of God? Whatever that angel said. Do you know the devil doesn't come as the devil? Amen or oh me. If the devil showed up like we picture him in a red suit, pointy ears, and a pitchfork, we would go, that's the devil, and we wouldn't listen. And we wouldn't respond, but he comes as an angel of light. Well, if the devil can come as an angel of light, then he can also say something that you might think is God, but you've got to judge it. You've got to judge it. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, we are to try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. For there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. Every false prophet began as hearing something they thought was God, and nobody judged it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, the Scriptures teach us that we need, we need to prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, it talks about that we should let the prophets speak one or two at a time, and the others judge. I can tell by the response, you might have or are having some of the reservations I had early. I thought something was wrong with me if I wanted to judge what I thought was God speaking to me. I thought, man, if, if it's God, I've got to act on it immediately. And boy, if I don't act on it immediately, I'm in rebellion to God. That God would be displeased with me if, if, if I was real with Him. And if I said, God, I think this is you. I, I really believe this is you, but I, I need to, to judge this. I need to discern this. I believe this is you speaking, but I need confirmation. There's a difference in even asking God a question on what you think he's saying to you versus questioning him. And anybody has got kids knows the difference. I knew when my kids were questioning me, and when they were asking me a question, did you know when the angel came to Mary and said, you are highly favored of God and you're going to have a baby? Do you know what she did? She asked a question and God didn't rebuke her. How can this be? That wasn't doubt and unbelief. She wasn't rebelling. She was sincerely asking, how is this going to be? I believe you're speaking to me. I believe that you were sent by God, but how is this going to be? And then the angel told her how she's going to Conceive the holy child Jesus. That's pretty powerful. It's okay to judge. It's okay to discern. There are some things that God speaks to us that is such a low-risk obedience of faith, you should act on those as quick as possible. There are some things God says to me that is only going to affect me and somebody else and I'm not going to do anybody any harm. I'm going to act on that as quick as I can. Other things can affect my whole family. They can affect this ministry. And I need to be careful even with what I think God might be saying to me because it's a high-risk decision. Don't get married without multiple witnesses that God's speaking. Don't you let no... It, 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 don't you let a prophet speak over you and say, thus says the Lord God, you're to marry Susie, and it's never been in your heart to marry Susie. But the man of God said marry Susie. And how I many of you know the man of God ain't got to sleep with her every night? 
Sorry, I don't know if that came out really right. He gets to go on down the road. You got to live with that decision the rest of your life. You better get some confirmation. You better judge to make sure that prophecy was of God. Because see, we're not led by prophecy. We're led by the Spirit. And prophecy is supposed to be a confirming witness that you're already hearing God. Don't, don't let anybody say anything over you that's not already in your heart. And if they do, then hang on to it. Wait on God. He that believeth maketh not haste. The prophet said, and some things we need to try the spirits. We need to test this. We need to prove it. And I wasn't taught that. Go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And here's how you judge. Is that God speaking to me? Is that my own mind? Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner and thoughts of the intent of the heart. There's the biblical, though highly controversial, unfortunately, definition of the heart. Your heart is the combination of your soul and your spirit, and only the word of God can divide the two. They're so closely related they're so hooked up that God's Word and only God's Word can divide your heart. And your heart is made up of your spirit and your soul. And I certainly don't have time to teach on that. I know uh, Brother Andrew has teachings on spirit, soul, and body. They're awesome. You need to get them. This changes people's lives. When you begin to understand the heart and how to serve the Lord with your whole heart, how to bring your heart in harmony with the purpose of God for your life, that's when the power of God is released in your life. Again, he divides the heart, soul, and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and intents. If you'll just take a heart and cut it right down the middle, put soul on this side, spirit on that side, you'll see that under the soul are the thoughts of your heart. Under the spirit is the intents of your heart. That the soul joints, it's a joint. Under the, under the spirit, it's marrow. Marrow is, is what produces your blood, and the scriptures teach us life is in the blood. So where does our life as the Christian come from? Doesn't come from the soul, comes from the spirit through the soul. What is the soul? It's a joint. It connects the spirit to the, to the flesh. The spirit and the flesh run parallel. They never, ever intersect. And the soul is in the middle and it connects. You can either be spiritually minded, that's life and peace, or you can be carnally minded. Your soul can operate in the flesh and you have to learn to discern and decide, is that my soul, flesh, or it can operate in the spirit. Is that, is that my spirit with the Holy Spirit, the rivers of life flowing in and now out of it? And what is the discerner? God's word. What divides it? God's word. So see, how do I know this is God? I got to align it with the Word of God. The Word of God will discern that was my dumb head. Sorry. I know that offends people. I said mine, didn't I? Oh, okay. Nobody was offended. But you have a dumb head too. And the smartest day you'll ever have is the day you realize how dumb you really are without God. And I don't mean that offensive and people get offended at that, but... We're dumber than a rock after the flesh. We have the mind of Christ, though, in our spirit. Amen? Amen. So, now, so now when I have a thought, 
when I have a picture, when I have an impression, when I have a word, even audible. You know what? I didn't even go to... Bless my heart. I'm traveling as fast as I can. Go to Isaiah. I apologize to the media people. How do I know this is coming out of my spirit? God's Word will divide it. God's Word will discern it. How do I know it's just me? God's Word will discern for me. If I bring it under the light of God's Word, then it'll, it'll judge. In Isaiah 30, this is so powerful, the voice of God. I ended in my last session with Elijah and the still small voice. That God's word to me, God's voice, it's a still small voice. And Isaiah said something about God's word in Isaiah 30, verse 20. I might have to start in verse 19. Let me look at this. Isaiah 30. Verse 20, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed unto a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. Everyone here right now is looking at me. Your eyes shall see your teachers. Now, before I even read that, don't read the next verse. Don't put the next verse up. Everybody look up, look up. Quit reading your Bible. <laughs> before I show you the next verse, you by divine design after the flesh have ears on the side of your head that are built for you to be there and to hear me from here. You're built. You're, by divine design, you're built to hear me with these ears looking at me right now speaking to you. But look at the next verse. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and then you turn to the left. Oh my goodness. Do you know hearing me, my voice with these ears is not going to change you. But when you hear that still small voice and it's like a voice behind you, that's the Lord speaking to you and that's what changes your life. I'm actually got your, right now I've got your brain in a vice squeezing all the stupid out. <laughs> My words are spirit and they're life and I am bombarding your head with truth bombs from without. And these ears right now are choosing to hear God's word and anointing in my life that from without is squeezing the dumb out of your head. But it's that spirit from within that speaks to you. It's that sound of truth on the inside of you. See, truth has a sound. It has a ring. And when someone has an anointing on them, they're not just talking. They're not just giving a speech. My words, they're spirit and they are life. Bodies of truth are being imparted into your heart right now. And if you hear me with an anointing from without, but you hear the Holy Ghost and the anointing from within, and your mind gets touched from within, you're going to be changed and your life will never, ever be the same. It's that voice you hear behind you right now that's changing. And that voice is speaking to every one of you while I'm speaking. You're looking at me right now, but I'm telling you, many of you are hearing God and, and are struggling paying attention to me. Did you say you was God? 
No, saints, I'm too dumb to be God and you're too smart to think I'm God. Amen. I'm saying God is in me and God is speaking through me from without and from within by the Spirit. And that's what's going to renew your mind. You don't get renewed in your mind from without. Mind renewal, that is biblical mind renewal, comes from within. It's that still small voice on the inside of you. It's that voice you hear behind you. Because your inner man is different than your outer man. You're designed to hear me in the position we're in right now, but our inner man is designed to hear that still. It's almost like it came from behind you. Where'd that come from? Because you hear it down in here. That is so awesome, and it's been so awesome in my life. That still, small voice. That's why you got to wait on God. That's why you have to choose to hear. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, Peter is, is talking about how a wife brings an unbelieving husband around to the truth, and he's basically, and I don't have time to run over there now, but he talks about how that it's not your outer appearance that's going to really change his heart and turn his heart toward God. It's not your, your clothes or your jewelry or your hair. He's not saying anything against any of that. He's saying that's not what is going to change an unbelieving spouse. It's going to be that meek and quiet spirit. He said it's the hidden man of the heart that it's the hidden man of the heart, and he says, it's a meek and quiet spirit. Your hidden man of your heart is your spirit, and it's a meek and quiet spirit. It's a humble spirit. Did you know your spirit man is humble? Did you know Jesus is humble? There's not an arrogant bone or fiber in Jesus' being. He is total humility wrapped even in flesh, and your spirit's born of him, and your spirit man is very humble. Well, am I doing all right? Your spirit, man, is very humble. It's not loud. It's not boisterous. It's not a scream. It's not deafening. It's a still, small voice. And so you have to humble yourself, and you have to mix faith with it. You know, God could write his will on the wall tonight, but what kind of faith would that take? It takes faith to believe he's speaking to you. It takes faith to act on it. And so again, how do I discern? Let me go through this this quickly, how am I doing on my time? I'm knowing I'm getting close. I'm all right? No restraints. All right, let me give you this will change your life, I promise you. And I'm going to share a scripture here in a minute. It's going to rock your world, I promise. It is awesome what this scripture says about multiple witnesses. In the scriptures I discovered years ago in trying to get this worked out in my own life, because I not only want to hear God, I want to obey God. And I don't only want to hear God and obey God, I want to make sure in obeying God, I'm loving people. I'm not hurting anybody. And so that's another thing I'll definitely get into tomorrow, is that one of the ways you judge was that God, it'll always be the love of God. God's love, Hebrews, Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says, love works no ill toward its neighbor. If I'm hearing God, I won't be working any ill toward my neighbor. And that's one of the ways I know, I know I'm hearing God is love. Compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. What does that mean? It was the Holy Spirit, love. And the love of God, Romans 5, 5, has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. What part of your heart? My spirit. The love of God is in my spirit. So when I hear from my spirit, it'll always be love. Now, let me go through these multiple witnesses. They're going to help me travel fast here. We're going to look at five scriptures because I want you to see them. And you need to write these down and you need to realize as God teaches you, I promise you to discern his voice better, you're, you're going you're gonna to be a witness everywhere you go to help other people. So let me give you these five things. We're going to go through them quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 17 is the first one, verse 6. At the mouth of two witnesses, 
or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Can I get a witness putting somebody to death is a high risk and a high judgment call. <laughs> that was easy. It's going to get harder, so I need a witness on that. I mean, you just don't make a witness and a judgment on putting somebody to death and that not be a high risk judgment. So he says, you can't do that without multiple witnesses. Now look at the next one, Deuteronomy chapter 19. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, if any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses, watch this, shall the matter be established. No matter should be established without two or three witnesses. Now, look at the next one. Matthew chapter 18, verse 16. It's talking about church discipline. We don't even want to go there because you'll get bogged down. And then I'll help you stay bogged down with church discipline because that's hard to deal with. And so that's not the subject tonight. But within church discipline, he says, but if he will not hear, he's talking about someone who sinned against you and you've gone to your brother and you've tried to reconcile with your brother, and, and how many of you have met people that don't want to reconcile? Y'all haven't? Man, y'all are precious. Bless your hearts. Help me, Jesus. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. Now watch this. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. The way you establish a word is with two or three witnesses. Now look at this one, because Paul draws off of this and I think it's 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Because, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 is on tongues. And, uh, and uh, we need to go here. This is the third time, this is Paul speaking now. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So here's the Apostle Paul in the New Testament saying, hey, this is the third time I've come to you that at the mouth of two or three witnesses, this is the third time, three witnesses, that every word will be established. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, concerning an accusation against an elder, against an elder receive not an accusation, but two or three witnesses. So I've just given you five Old and New Testament on this principle of multiple witnesses. That when God speaks, He wants to confirm His Word in your life. Did you know Mark chapter 16, after we are to lay hands on the sick and they recover and we're gonna speak with all these new tongues and, and take up serpents, if we drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. Again, we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It says after that, the Lord was working with them, confirming His Word with signs and wonders. God wants to confirm His voice in your life. You and I just need to learn how to have it confirmed. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm excited about this. I'm so glad I came. I needed to hear this, amen. I want God's Word confirmed in my life. Did you know one of the sure ways you're, you can know you're not hearing God is if you're the only one? You know another way you can know if you're hearing God versus you're not hearing God? You don't want it judged. 
Did you know I know when I'm hearing God because I want it judged. I want to make sure this is God. If I don't want it judged, something's not right here. All right, let me blow you away. I mean, this is incredible. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. This is Jesus' testimony. He has healed a guy on the Sabbath. <laughs> you just don't do that at church. And so they are wanting to kill him. Now, I never have understood that. He's wrong. Let's kill him. <laughs> just doesn't sound right. So then he mentions his father and that he doesn't do anything of his own. It's my father in me. He doeth the works, that kind of thing. And then they really wanted to kill him because he said, God. And remember, G-A-W-D, God. When you hear people say, God, you better back up. God was his father, making him equal with God. And then from about verse 19, all the way to the verses I'm going to read to you, nine times he made reference to being the Son of God. One time he made reference to being the Son of Man in that passage. And having authority, not because he was the Son of God, but because he was the Son of Man. And that's a whole other story, that it was the Son of Man that gave him authority. He operated as the Son of Man, even though he was the Son of God. So now watch what he says in verse in John chapter 5, verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. Now verse 31 is over the top. And I don't know if I should explain it before I read the rest or come back, but it just lights my fire. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. I'm going over here. <laughs> if I bear witness, if I am a lone witness, don't believe me. That's what it says. Look at it again. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now, it gets really good. Look at the next verse. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent unto John, and, you, and he bear witness unto the truth, but I received not testimony from men. But these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself which sent me hath borne witness of me. You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape, and you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify or bear witness of me. My goodness gracious. Jesus said, if I am a lone witness, do not believe me. 
but I'm going to rock your world. Yes, I have witnessed that I am the Son of God, but there are more than one witnesses that bear witness to the truth. John was a witness of who I am. My works are a witness of who I am. My father is a witness of who I am. And the entire word of God is a witness to who I am. Now, if Jesus wanted and needed multiple witnesses, if God wanted to approve Jesus as the son of God with multiple witnesses, why would he not want to give me multiple witnesses to his will in my life? Why would I be intimidated by the concept of multiple witnesses being born out of, of who I am in God, what my gifts and calling are, what God is saying to me? And I welcome multiple witnesses in my life to the Word of God. God wants to bear witness to every word and establish every word in your life with multiple witnesses. That is freedom, not bondage. That is joy, unspeakable and full of glory, that if I'm hearing God, I don't have to sweat it. He's going to bear witness that this is Him speaking to me. And He'll give me multiple witnesses. One of those multiple. There's many. I still don't know how I'm doing on my time, but... there are multiple witnesses to God speaking to you, to God leading you. One of the, did you know there's kingdom protocol? One of them is the Word of God. That's a witness. And it'll divide, it'll discern. Is that your spirit? And did that come out of your spirit? Have you ever had an intent? And it was right, but somewhere between the intent and walking it out, a thought got in the way and messed it up? <laughs> We've all had an intent we heard from our spirit, but in trying to process it, we messed it up. The Word of God is a witness. One of the greatest witnesses in my life when I hear God is peace. Just peace. Let me give you the kingdom protocol. Protocol. Romans chapter 13. I'm going to show you the kingdom protocol. That doesn't look right. I say Romans 13. Romans 14. And if it ain't there, somewhere in the Bible, <laughs> I think this will work. Let's try this one. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink. I like the message Bible. It's not in coffee and donuts. <laughs> Some people don't know that. The kingdom of God is not in meat or drink. But look at this. But righteousness... Peace and joy in what? How do I know it's the Holy Ghost speaking to my spirit and my spirit to my soul? How do I know this is the Holy Ghost leading me? It'll always line up with righteousness and peace and joy. There's three witnesses right there within the kingdom of God. I had a lady come to me one time, bless her heart, I love her, but she wanted to get into ministry and her husband was a hindrance, but she had got so much awe in her husband that she came to me all excited one, one day to tell me about a dream and how God had spoke to her and that she had a dream of her husband in a coffin and that God was gonna 
remove her husband so she could go into ministry. Everybody ought to be married to somebody like that. Amen. Man, I thank God for Sue. And she's wanting me to agree with that. I'm going, it wasn't God. God is not going to kill your husband. So you see, she had lust in her heart for ministry and awe in her heart toward her husband. And she tried to snow me with a dream that it was God. How many of you know that violates God's righteousness? Well, God told me to rob that bank to pay the note off on the church. I'll admit I could be tempted to pray about that one, but that is, <laughs> but, that, but that's not God. That's not God. Why? It violates, right? God will never speak to you and you be instructed or led or hear a voice to do something unrighteous. Again, how do I know it's God from my spirit, not my soul? Did you know when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to my spirit and it's communicated to my to my soul in any language. Again, Romans 13 verse eight says that love works no ill toward its neighbor. It'll always prefer others. When you hear God, it'll always prefer others. God's love is not self-centered. It's not self-seeking. So how do I know this is God? Immediately if there's ego, and you can kid yourself and deceive yourself all you want to. You know when you're in the flesh. You know when you're in some ego trip. And people override that all the time and put God's name on it. And you can know that's not God speaking to you. Again, let me just close with the peace. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. It's talking about, in verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity God's kind of love, which is the bond of perfectness. And look at verse 15. And let the peace of God, the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule. That word rule in the Greek literally means umpire. We all have decisions that we have to make. And is God leading me? Is God speaking to me? He said, let peace be the umpire. It's a witness. As much as, oh, I love that scripture. As much as lies within you, be at peace with all men. I'm so glad he put that in there because, man, there's just some people. I'm at peace with them, but they are not at peace with me. And that's just sad. But as much as lies within me, and there's been many a time I said, God, I need more to lie within me <laughs> to keep peace. But I know when God is speaking to me and leading me, it'll never be in strife. It'll never be in division. It'll never be contentious. It'll have peace associated with it every single time. And I can't tell you how many times I wasn't sure, but I let the peace of God just be the umpire. If I don't have peace, 
then I am not going to step out. And I know that might be a little bit out of order in some other teachings and stuff, and I know I've done some radical stuff over the years that, man, I just jumped off the cliff. And I don't live every day like that, but I had peace or I wouldn't have jumped. I'll close. I said I'd close with that. I lied. I repent. <laughs> I'll close... With, in 1983, I had graduated from Bible school. I was already pastoring in the Methodist church and doing some teachings. And uh, boy, I just felt like God was telling me to give my stuff away. And I felt so strong about it, but I didn't know personally anybody that was doing it. I actually had heard of, of Andrew, but didn't know him, didn't know how he did it and if he really did it and what the catch was, all that stuff. I didn't know, I knew Keith, I didn't know him personally, but I knew Keith Green and how he had given away things. And so, but I didn't know anybody. Everybody sold their stuff. And you wouldn't believe the heartaches this has caused for me over the years. And uh, not everybody's blessed that you give your stuff away. And that's kind of sad. And I didn't know that, and that it would be a problem, of course, when God told me to do it. But he was speaking to me, and I've had people that actually mad at me saying, did God tell you to do that? And the real question isn't whether God told me to do it. The real question might be, did God tell you to sell it? Because there's nothing wrong with selling it. If God told you to sell it, you better sell it. And if God doesn't tell you to give it away, you, you can't do it. it. You have to have a word from God. So I was just doing what everybody else was doing. I'd started the tape ministry, and uh, I was feeling bad about selling it, and I'd give it away to people on their anniversary, and then birthdays, and then before it was over with, I was saying, is anybody breathing? You can have my stuff. <laughs> Uh, I just felt bad. I wanted, to I wanted to bless people. I wanted to help them. And many times the people that needed the material the most could afford it the least. So anyway, I'm really struggling with this. Is this you, God? And I thought it was so clear. That small still or that still small voice that almost behind you, your name called. And Dwayne, you need to sow. And so I'm really wrestling with this. And I wake up in the middle of the morning in 1983 and I'm thinking, this is the devil. It's a trick. We'll go hungry. We were already starving. It was terrible. I mean, we went six years. First six years of our marriage, we lived on $50 a week for six years of our marriage. I mean, we were struggling. And so this, I think this is God, but, oh, man, I don't know. And so I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up, and the Scriptures would come to me. God would speak to me out of the Scriptures that it is more blessed to give than receive. And that needs to be what we as preachers act on, not tell everybody else as they're giving us an offering and we're receiving. And so I think, well, it is more blessed to give than receive. So I'd think, well, maybe this is God, go back to sleep. Then I'd wake up and I'd hear, for God so loved the world that he sold his only begotten son. Said, <laughs> whosoever believeth on... <laughs> No, I'd hear for God so loved that he gave. How much do you really love my people? And what could I give out of love that would change their lives? I didn't have anything to give but God, his word. I'd fall back to sleep wrestling with it. I don't know if this is God. Woke up, I don't know, third time I guess by now. And I heard a question. Dwayne, what do you really want? You remember when God came to Solomon and asked him what he wanted? 
That's pretty powerful. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, Dwayne, I heard my name. What do you want? What do you want? Now that even sounds contradictory to the war I'm having between my spirit and my soul. Is this God or the devil? Is this God leading me or a trick? Dwayne, what do you want? And I just said before I could think, Lord, I just want to know you. I want to know truth. And I want to be a voice to your people, not just an echo. I want to have a word and position myself to have a rhema word, to have a word for a generation toward the end of my life. <laughs> and the Lord said, you can have it, and here's how you do it, sow it. You want revelation? Sow revelation. You want truth? Sow truth. And I shouted out loud, I'm giving my stuff away. I'm sowing the word. I'm sowing the truth so that I can reap good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over and have a word for a generation. Hallelujah. I can sow to it. Joy hit me. Did you know I delight in doing it? Total peace just surged my heart. It was all out of love for people. And after I did it, the next thought I had was, this is no big deal. I'm not no good anyway. People aren't going to take them. <laughs> and now I've given away over 30 million messages around the world absolutely free. Hallelujah. That's incredible. I've sown the Word of God. I've sown the Word of God, and I expect a harvest on that. I heard God. I obeyed God. He came in and supped with me. He talked to me like a friend. Almost tricked me. <laughs> I didn't even see the connection to what I want and what I was wrestling with. That's so God. That's so cool. Man, I just want to encourage you. There's going to be some good things said by Andrew tomorrow. I know that. And you need to be here. And then I'm going to close this out with all these multiple witnesses and how it gets so easy to discern, is this God, is this just me, again, independent of God? Is this the enemy trying to, trying to trick me? Once you begin to see how God speaks to you, I had a lady in the back, this is my final, finally. <laughs> but I had a lady at the back. It, it, re, it rejoiced my heart, and she was so pure and so righteous, and she was talking about how her husband hears God so easily, and she struggles with hearing God. It didn't take two minutes for her to talk to me that I was able to show her you're hearing God. She started talking about how she'll pray and she doesn't get a word from God, but she just has this joy, this supernatural joy. And she just has this supernatural peace. And I was so excited to go, that's the voice of God. He's speaking to you. That's his language to you and in your spirit, man. And she got so excited that she is hearing God because when you hear God, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. We receive his word with gladness. And so, Father, I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that we would just heed your lead that we would just simply tune in to what you're saying, to your voice, that you would give us an ear to hear, that we would simply discern the language of the Spirit, and that we would just learn to wait upon you and delight in you, and it just be easy, and it just be the flow of the Spirit, and that it doesn't have to be strange or weird or kooky. You are leading 
us. It's our birthright. We are the children of God. And I just thank you for helping me to get these things over and to be a blessing in Jesus' name and for His glory. Did you get anything from God tonight? Give Him praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.